0: 2018 I have health
1: insurance
0: yeah. it finally kicked in for my new job oh good um I was gonna do like a thing where I was like hey Emily it's 2018 How, how's your life I have health insurance like <laughs> yeah yeah so that's the biggest thing going on I in your life right raw now
1: I cookie dough and go to the ER and I'd be just fine yeah I'm trying
0: um yeah. So um today is the first full day of 2018 as we are recording this. Mm-hmm. As this comes out on Friday, this That's might if. seem a little less fresh, Friday the 5th, right? I I worry that between now and then something will have already happened to taint 2018 in all of our minds. Um Probably. Yeah. Just That's 'cause cuz safe bet. Yeah. Just cuz probs. Yeah. Yeah. Um but until then, woo! 2018. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole new year. Fuck yeah. that past year. Yeah, <laughs> for real though. Yeah, no, for real. Oh my god, it fucking sucked. Um, so either this year will be moderately better, or it will be the worst year any of us can remember. <laughs> so,
1: hey, life goal. Let's hey. like set a goal to like record Summer live in twenty
0: eighteen. Ooh, okay, I like that goal.
1: You can do it at like a coffee shop. Fuck
0: yeah. <laughs> It to... doesn't matter where it happens. We're recording live. We're outside. We
1: are on the front line.
0: We don't have people who got tickets as much as we have people who are forced to listen to us.
1: Someone's walking their dog and here we are.
0: That'll be it. That's our goal for 2018.
1: It's like a pop-up venue.
0: Right. Pop-up venue. Is there a food truck of podcasting? Uh, Alright, so uh, 2018 we're going to lean into it. Is what I'm hearing.
1: I guess, yeah. That's... Yeah. We don't really have a choice other than that.
0: True. We're we've all, done this like 16 times. Is this 15 or 16? I couldn't remember. I don't know. I, it's I, important. I labeled my notes at 15, so it better be 15. <laughs> well, then we've done this like 15 times. <laughs> yeah, Um. it's time to step our game up. You're yeah. I agree. Yeah. I think we're already leaning in pretty hard. We are currently drinking champagne. Because... New Year. Cause, because we have a lot of champagne we around. Drink, yes. There was a party at uh, my place last night, and Emily was there, I as was. were many people. Including
1: Kat, who's still alive. Her birthday was yesterday.
0: Yes, she lived to see another year. She did. So proud of her. Look at her go. Um, and I have so much booze left over at this house, I can't even fucking believe it. And some of that was champagne, so here we are. Uh, we might need to open another bottle in the middle of the recording. I'm probably
1: going to need to open another bottle with my topic.
0: That's true. Yeah. 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 And um, I'm honestly just, like, super psyched to get that on the recording I- anyway. So I was probably going to do it even if we didn't feel like drinking anymore. Oh, God. So this shit might get a little silly. <laughs> Shall we get started? Do we have any more updates? All right. So, so
1: uh, we're doing... Cult related things again?
0: Well, mine is sort actually of. mine is actually not uh, cult related. I think we started because oh, yeah,
1: we were doing. Oh, yeah, we should
0: tell that story okay. real quick. Real I was
1: going to leave it as a surprise for what I'm doing.
0: Oh, we can. That's fine. Except we kind of can't for the joke. <laughs> well, mine is not have anything. completely inappropriate. Joke. <laughs> it's pretty bad. So last night, it's uh, at midnight. It's midnight. Jake, uh, my fiance, um, lives here with me, and he had given his own little toast, and then we had all At counted 11. down. 11.59. 11.59, <laughs> because he didn't give a shit by then. Um, and, uh, and then we counted down all together, and then oh, like we- 20 of us. There was a lot of fucking people, and then we drank, uh, champagne, and then, uh people started making stupid jokes I think they were just kind of dim or there were some puns in there and you know how I can't let that stand. Nope. Um if anyone's going to pun in my own house it's me, you fucks. Um so I couldn't even see Emily at this point but I was pointing at some people being like, "You know what? <laughs> I didn't want to tell you this." But there's poison in all your champagne glasses. that's right, yeah, and am.
1: then she leaned around her fiance <laughs> to make eye contact with me. <laughs> Cause I'm ninety percent sure I said something. <laughs> I
0: know I was like, I think I hear Emily. So and then, then
1: we were gonna name this episode Jonestown to Electric Boogaloo.
0: Because <laughs> of course, after that, like, we're immediately standing in the middle of this room with people shouting all around us, being like, "Okay, so the next episode." Yeah, they're
1: like, "Happy New Year!" And we're like, "All right, no, but really, but like, really, the next though, should we episode, we do Jonestown. It sounds like we a good do Jonestown. I know we just so did, like, we had a whole plan, right, but like, uh, New
0: Year, New Us, New Cult. It's right. fine. Let's just let's do it. We're a Little drunk, it's midnight. Let's make a real plan right now because that always works out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, it did. I have 10 pages worth of research saying it did, right?
0: Yeah, so yeah, so
1: buckle up, guys. Yeah, that's gonna be
0: so Emily's got Jonestown for your asses,
1: and it's not like I'm just gonna talk about Jonestown, like I'm gonna give a general overview, but we're gonna talk about
0: a solid chunk of the survivors that don't get talked about. Mm. That's fucking legit. a lot. Nice. Now I'll say we we are not on a cult theme necessarily. Um what we are on is like a a poisoning people dying theme. Sort it's of like thing. Like a
1: poison choo-choo train of doom. Right. right.
0: Um so I wanted to find something that was gonna be less people willingly walking into being poisoned and dying, and more it being forced upon them in mass quantities. And, um, I thought about the Tylenol murders for a while, but, um, I think, like, both the dollop and My Favorite Murder have done that. Probably. And, um, they probably do it better than I would anyway, so I was like, fuck that. Right. So I was looking for something similar, and I found it. Mmm! It's called the Philadelphia Poison Ring. Oh. Yes. Hmm. Hmm. So Was
1: it an actual ring? Did somebody poison a ring and then sell it in like Jared's? Holy
0: fucking shit, I missed. <laughs> no, uh, it's in reference to a crime ring. Damn it. Uh, that specifically poisons the shit out of people. So, I'm gonna set the scene for you, Emily. Do we you you need to turn the lights down? Unless you want it to get freaky up in here. Uh You do. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't not. Um it's nineteen thirties, Philadelphia. So it's the Great Depression. Yeah, it's real sad. Unemployment in Philadelphia has reached twenty-five percent by nineteen thirty-eight. Woof. Um, which is ten percent above the national average. Ain't nobody got a real job in Philadelphia. No. <laughs> like and We're businesses are hustling for bread. Exactly. Businesses are struggling. Um Except for the bread businesses. <laughs> right. Um, and a lot of people, unfortunately in times like this, turn to shadier activities. Of to make ends meet. Yes. Um, such is the case with the Patrio cousins? When it's Italian and there's a double L, is it similar to Spanish? Do you know? Yes. Okay, good. So it's the Patrio cousins. Herman and Paul Patrio immigrated to the U.S. directly from Italy in 1910. Unless it's. I mean if you can see it's that it's one
1: of those weird it might be one of those weird ones where it's Patrillo.
0: I know. I was like shit, is it Patrillo or Patrillo? Because um, Italian's weird. Wow. Well, and it have different it rules go, based on. Yeah, it can you can go either way. Well, I apologize, but also these motherfuckers is murderers. Uh and they did. So but so, the trills. <laughs> them trills though. Um so, I don't care if I pronounce their names incorrectly, I guess. Um, but anyway, so they came here in 1910, and, uh, they pretty much set about being real good at crime right away. Good job. That's kind of their jam. Everybody's got a, a shtick. Right. And they had this shtick. Um, Herman started out doing some light insurance fraud, uh, but eventually became an expert in, uh, counterfeiting, and, uh, really good at arson. So, moving on up in the world of crime yeah. herman was um some sources also said okay oh god <laughs> so, so, okay i do want to say because this was something that happened in the 1930s there are a lot of conflicting reports about exactly how things went down this is my favorite conflict not all the sources said this but a couple of them so, said herman was straight up not a joke a spaghetti salesman <laughs> he is an italian immigrant who they say sold spaghetti. Which, if that's not racist as fuck, I don't know what is. <laughs> like,
1: is it like a term? I don't or know. Or was he literally... I literally
0: heard people say pasta peddler. Like, he, they think he sold spaghetti. See. Unless that's some sort of really old term that we're still using in 2016 in articles to talk about this shit. Oh my god, I nope. died. That's just a thing they there thought he was. There were real
1: people that sold spaghetti with boxes of spaghetti. Holy
0: shit. Um, I need to take a drink from, just from understanding <clears> that. A Ooh. sample box. Oh my god, sample boxes are different I'm showing her a picture of an actual sample box. That looks like some 2018 that shit That carried though. around
1: <laughs> selling spaghetti with little pictures and different, like, sections of types of spaghetti with a glass case over the top.
0: I can see that coming back this year, except that it's <clears throat> it's a box you get once a month that comes to your house. Yeah. <laughs> it's like pasta box. Pasta box. Um so anyway, uh that weird somewhat that blows racist my mind. thing that, aside. Just,
1: that blows my mind. <clears throat>
0: I know, I loved it. But either way, regardless of whether or not he sold pasta, he was a criminal. Um his cousin Paul ...ran a tailor shop, which was sort of legit before the Depression... ...but became more of a front for his insurance scam business later on. Sure. He sold cheap insurance to sick people... ...who were probably gonna die... ...and then named himself as the beneficiary. So he's that's nice. He's cool. Yeah, he's like a really cool guy. They're both just so cool. Fun fact about Paul, too. He did not sell spaghetti, however. He was super into a type of Italian folk magic... Um, that was something a lot of people in the south of Philly believed in at the time, if you were an Italian immigrant. Um, he was working on getting paid to consult with people using this magic. Um, and it was really hard to track down, like, what exactly the fuck this magic involved. But the wiki referred to it as la fattura. Which, la fattura. Right. Which literally means spell, but also hilariously means invoice. (laughs) Oh, my God. So I was just, like, giggling to myself, thinking of, let me get you the fatura for that fatura I just have cast. Do fatura? <laughs> I'll cast you a fatura, and then you'll get your fatura, and then you'll pay me. <laughs> I need last month's fatura. <laughs> it's a, it was very dorky, but I love it. Language is fun, you guys. Yes. Anywho, um, in 1931, Herman and Paul teamed up with a guy named Morris Bulber, who was a fake doctor, and they started what is known as a matrimonial agency. It's like a matchmaking service, sort of. Um, it was meant to hook up widowed women with new men so they could remarry. Um, and usually those men were other Italian immigrants. Um, so it's already really weird. <laughs> That's, like, not a thing anymore. Like, specifically just for widows so that they can remarry men who sometimes do not speak English. Yeah, it's fine. Shady as fuck. It's fine. But in addition to the matchmaking services... They also helped provide life insurance for those women for their new husbands. Of course. And they functioned, because they're nice like that, as a conduit for collecting the money off these policies. So these three men, these criminals, now have a vested interest in these women's new husbands not lasting very long. (laughs) So... Oh, also, I should mention, these are called double indemnity policies, which means that if, uh, the case, in the case of an accidental death, the insurance company pays out twice as much. Hey, Emily, I'd like you to take a guess at what happens next.
1: Uh, so, my guess is they get a whole bunch of widows, (laughs) and a whole bunch of people that don't speak English, they smush them together, and then everybody dies.
0: (laughs) That's right, Emily. Vaguely speaking, it's murder. Murder Murder. happens next. And basically, what you just described, pretty accurate.
1: (laughs) Lots of murder. So starting
0: in 1931, the Patrios and Bulber uh, started straight up whacking dudes who had these insurance policies and collected that squirrel all for themselves. Mm. Uh, Maybe a little bit for the wives, but it doesn't really go into details. Um, They started out sort of small. They would just help a couple people here and there and then they would beat the men to death or hit them with cars whatever they could make look like an accident but um slowly over time they wanted to make their organization a little bigger a little more lucrative
1: yes of course so uh
0: they started employing women i can't have to assume that most of them actually did think the service was legit at first um and then they would uh basically would tell the women they were in charge of getting life insurance policies for their new husbands Without their knowledge. And then they would have to engineer their own husband's deaths by arsenic. Because by this point, things were getting pretty big. Arsenic was probably the easiest way to kill somebody that wasn't... Yeah. Right, wasn't immediately traceable. You need an autopsy. And um, you need
1: you need somebody completing that autopsy who knows what to look for.
0: Right. Um. Yeah, it's not super duper clear how all of these women came into this fold. I didn't uh, find a lot on that, and I looked a lot of different stuff uh, just to see. But... Um, it did seem like some of them were totally into killing their husbands off pretty early into their marriage, because they were like, I don't even know this guy. Uh, we have nothing in common. He doesn't even do the dishes. Right. I would like money, yes please, thank you. Yes. Um, but some of them were reluctant to do it, because it's murder. (laughs) Some people don't want to do that, weirdly enough. I know we don't talk about those people often. (laughs)
1: Okay. (laughs) This feels like... One of those situations where it's like, do you push the button or don't you push the button on this decision? Right.
0: Are you saying you would? (laughs) (laughs) It's Moral Questions Corner here on the Uh Uh-Oh Feeling. Um, Emily, would you murder for money if you were extra desperate?
1: (laughs) I'm not saying I wouldn't.
0: Fuck! (laughs) Well, a lot of these women did, and if they didn't, they were often coerced... With things including, like, forced abortions on women who are pregnant. Yeah. So it got pretty hairy for those women. Once you were in, you
1: were in. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's basically true. Um, it's like the mob. Over the next few years, yeah, basically. it's But it's this one very specific thing they're carrying out. So, and over the next few years, um, their gang grew to over two dozen people. Wow. Um, All just working to either be the widows who would... Get these insurance policies or be the people who would kind of come in and secondarily kill a dude if arsenic wasn't going to work or whatever. So it's just a whole shit show between 1931 and 1938 when this was happening. God, seven years yes. of this. Seven years of the Patrios and Bulber and a bunch of ladies just taking care of some Italian immigrants. Taking for money. care of
1: business.
0: <laughs> Enter our survivor. <gasps> His name is George Meyer. Now, I want to be clear about this. Sometimes when we talk about survivors, we mean it's someone who went through, like, a life-threatening or, like, at least highly traumatic event, and then they came out the other side. Yeah. Sometimes, it just means a guy who was there, and he didn't end up dead or implicated. he saw (laughs) some shit. Yeah. This is one of those times. George... Uh, wasn't a victim of poisoning. I do wanna say that. <laughs> I'm just gonna say he wasn't one of the dudes who they were trying to kill. However, Waffle, um, I'm a big fan of George. Oh, and I'll George. tell you why as soon as I've poured myself some more champagne. <laughs> oh George. No!
1: Look at you. She made a huge mess.
0: I did make a semi huge mess. So huge mess. It was gross.
1: Such a mess. I'm
0: gonna this try is better. why we
1: pour it down the side and we pour it slow. I know, I got, I got... You got excited about George. I, I got excited
0: about George and Champagne. Champagne.
1: Champonga. George. George. <laughs> Champorg.
0: <laughs> okay. I love it. All right. All right, so, George Meyer ran a local upholstery cleaning business that was, shockingly enough, not doing well in the Great Depression. Huh. I don't think people were worried about their upholstery very much. Uh, no, No. They, were they weren't having about...
1: dinner parties with guests coming over to sit up on their no, couches. They were lighting their
0: couches on fire to s- stay warm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so in 1938, George um, had just been out of prison for like a petty crime. Sure. And he needed like 25 bucks to get back on track with his business. And he was referred to Herman Petrio as someone who could help him get money for his struggling business. And Patrio, I I have a lot of quotes this time of just, like, what I think they must have said. (laughs) So Patrio was like, hey, look, I got another, hey, look, another person I can get to kill for me. Hella dope. This is, like, my favorite thing. (laughs) He offered George a large sum of money, some real, some counterfeit, to kill a man named Ferdinando Alfonzi. Because fuck yeah. (laughs) That's the best name I've ever heard. Why
1: would you kill someone named Ferdinando Alfonzi?
0: There's probably like six of those in that neighborhood. It's a very Italian neighborhood. Yeah. George fair. Meyer might be the only non-Italian guy in this yeah, whole yeah, story. Yeah, I was like, that's a very non-Italian <laughs> name. George Meyer. Hey, George. How's hey, it George. Ferdinando Alfonsi. And George. George. Where's <laughs> <laughs> um, Meyer. So, uh, Alfonsi, as he will heretofore be named. Um, he was the husband of Stella Alfonsi, a woman who uh, was having an affair with Herman. Stella. <laughs> yes. So Herman wanted to kill Alfonsi. Sure. Not this time, so much for the money as so much for the as like for the fucken. for the lady for the fucking and the yeah. lady and yeah. maybe for love. But I don't like to think no, that probably this guy not. feels love. Most
1: I've... yeah, most people who murder that freely yeah
0: probably a sociopath. Yeah, probably not really capable of love. But maybe she's real hot.
1: He likes it. He likes it,
0: whatever He's into it it
1: right now, so he wants to keep it. Exactly.
0: So Herman Petrio wants George to kill Alfonso for this reason, so he can have his wife all to himself. Yeah. And here's what happened. George was like, no, I super don't (laughs) want to do that. Did you you say murder? Huh? (laughs) Because, like, you want me to murder a dude for money. (laughs) That's. That's not a I'd clean couches for a living. I'm not going to do that. Well, then he could clean the blood out of the couch. That's probably very true. He'd be very good at that. Yeah. He doesn't want to put that blood there. He's a normal guy. Here's the thing, though. Uh, he doesn't actually say any of that, because George is smarter than this. <laughs> George is smarter than I probably would have been, because I literally would have been like, <laughs> What? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's not what's going to happen to George. He's a crafty bastard. So he instead says yes and decides to play along. He has no chance of murdering this guy. He's not going to do it. He doesn't want to. But he's like, yeah, I'll do it. He's hoping that he can get some money up front and then just get the fuck out. Um, but in addition to doing this, because he's a real smart cookie, in my opinion, he doesn't just wait around hoping that this happens. He also decides to contact two detectives with the Secret Service. In one report I did see he tried to contact the Philadelphia police and they laughed at him. Yeah. So he went to the Secret Service. This totally might be true.
1: I mean, counterfeit money is a serious thing. Yeah. That, if anything, would get the Secret Service involved. Exactly. Especially during the Depression. Exactly.
0: In fact, Agent Landvoit uh, was already investigating Herman for insurance fraud and counterfeit money. (laughs) Oh! So he was like, oh, fuck yes, give me them juicy nugs of knowledge. I want to hear about this. I love
1: your 30s
0: slang. <laughs> you see, Nugs of Knowledge is definitely something they said in the 30s Shut up. Um, Yeah. So Agent Landvoit and Agent Phillips helped George continue to play along um, and pretend that he was definitely going to carry out this murder. <laughs> Um, while meanwhile they were trying to get Herman to at least hand over some of the counterfeit money to George up front so they could prove it was counterfeit and take that motherfucker in before it ever came to any type of murder. Um, George came up with the plan that he wanted to run Alphonse over with a car, you know, as a way to kill him, which they'd done before, but he wanted Herman to front the money for a new car. So that not, like, there's no existing car that could be tied back to either the gang or to George. Not a bad plan, honestly. Yeah, and I
1: bet Herman was like, yeah, okay, bud.
0: Yeah, well, that's the thing, is it's pretty crafty shit, but due to some issues Herman had getting counterfeit cash, he stalled and he stalled and he stalled. So that plan didn't really work for a while. Damn. Um, for a couple weeks, it's just sort of them back and forth arguing over whether this can be done, and eventually Herman says, fine, I'll give you the money up front, and then he disappears. <laughs> Um, they don't hear from him for two weeks, so it's two security officers and George just waiting to hear from Herman, and you (laughs) don't hear from him for two weeks.
1: I just imagine them, like, sitting around a table in a dark room with a phone in the middle. Right.
0: It's like, like, all of them smoking and waiting. When's he gonna call? (laughs) This is my, also one of my favorite parts of the story, because there is so much dudes playing dress-up in this story, I can't even fucking tell you. (laughs) First, Agent Phillips is introduces himself to Herman along with George uh, Meyer as a, like an ex convict who wants to help out, so he 's probably dressed hilariously already um, but then, when they can 't find uh, Herman, they go looking for him and realize that no one in his neighborhood has seen him for a week. Hmm. so George pretends to be a construction worker <laughs> i 'm assuming he has some sort of garb. <laughs> And he goes to Ferdinando Alfonsi's house, and he asks to speak to him, and some old lady at the door says he's too sick and he can't come to the door. And then, because this is a fucking sitcom, <laughs> oh Phillips, Phillips and others, and other like agents with the Secret Service, pose as insurance agents and get info on Al- into Alfonsi's house, and then they find him dying. So they... To- First, George goes as a construction worker... And then the agents go as insurance agents. <laughs> I just imagine they're all adjusting their ties. They've got their big suits. It's they're all, waiting around
1: the corner. Right. It's
0: all a beautiful game of pretend for a while. So these guys notify the police, um, and then I'm not really sure about the timing of this, but uh, then they hear from Herman Petrio again. Oh, he just comes back out of nowhere. What and a Herman! You're hey, right. This is uh, bad news bears for Herman. Uh, He showed up at the wrong time. He probably never should have showed up again.
1: Yeah, he should have just stayed out of there. Wherever he was, he should have stayed there.
0: Um, Maybe on a beach. Right? But instead, he has their money for them. (laughs) So he hands over some counterfeit money to George. When they ask him if he still wants Alphonse dead, he's like, nah, I took care of it. Turns out Herman got impatient with George taking his sweet-ass time deciding whether to run him over with a car or not, and he just poisoned him with arsenic instead. (laughs) I mean... Right. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I would get tired of waiting, and arsenic has already proved to be, like, the poison of choice for this ring. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know why he didn't just do that in the first place. Seems like he didn't need George's help. He really didn't. Yeah, uh, it's pretty stupid. I'm not sure how they did this for seven years when someone like George could bring them down. Well,
1: I'm sure they were like they got cocky, they got relaxed, they wanted Maybe. to help the little guy out. They're probably like, like, Oh, yeah. we run this city. Like we can we can do this. You can you can figure out how to kill a person. Exactly. Oh, you're gonna be wishy-washy on it. You know what? I'll just take care of it. Right. I'll give you the money. It's fine. Yeah, you still get the money. You'll though. be fine. Go start your business up. We'll be
0: in touch later when we need some sheets cleaned. Don't ask about the blood. Right. Like maybe that's it. Because I'm like, why? Why would they still be giving him money? Yeah. He didn't do the service. You didn't even need him. And yet here you are handing him money. Maybe for some sort of transaction later on. Maybe to build trust. With him, so they could eventually draw him into the ring further.
1: Or there was another person that needed to be run over by a car.
0: <laughs> Maybe you never know. There's always someone. There's always someone who needs to be run over with a car. So, uh, it didn't get that far though, because Herman's an idiot. Mm. Um, because by now the police know something's fishy with Alfonzi because the Secret Service told them. Uh, and once he dies, which he does, oh, in a rip hospital. Alfonzi. Poor Alphonse. Bye-bye, bud. Um, An autopsy reveals a huge amount of arsenic in his system, just like a gross amount.
1: Yeah, because it it probably wasn't subtle, and it wasn't ingested over long periods of time. Right. It was probably just all like, here, drink this water that's different colored now because I put so much arsenic in it.
0: I even read one report, and I didn't find this elsewhere, but just one, where uh, George testified that um Herman had said, oh my god, he was so hard to kill, we gave him like six dudes worth of arsenic. <laughs> so, oh my god. Because again, god. wow, Herman, wow, you're an idiot. Um, wow. So yeah, it's all that on top of George Meyer and Agent Phillips having this counterfeit money that they can directly connect to Herman as well. Um, so they hand all of this evidence over to the district attorney, who I assume was like, awesome, this is the easiest case ever! Open
1: glass case! (laughs) Thank you! So much
0: evidence! Um, and yeah, as far as I was reading, uh, the case went pretty smoothly from there. They looked into Alfonsi's murder and found that there were a shitload of connections between that and a bunch of other deaths of Italian male immigrants Mm. who had a bunch of arsenic in their system. (laughs) Hmm. Um, I'm guessing that they shit themselves by how easily they stumbled across this huge crime ring that, like, Bet we... those cops are laughing now! Yup. So at the... Bitch. The, <laughs> right, bitch? If they really did turn down George at the beginning and missed That's the opportunity so... to bust this... Idiots. Um, in the end, eventually 16 people were identified as being part of this crime ring. Pharmacists testified that the Patrio cousins approached them about various poisons... So they weren't even trying to hide that very well. Um, and yeah, with all the evidence they could find but connecting murder after murder after murder with the same MO over and over and over again, uh, yeah, a lot of people went to prison. Um, it was hard to tell what happened to every member of the crime ring, but most were put in jail, some for, for life sentences. Morris Bulber died in prison while serving a life sentence at 19, uh, in 1954. I think he died of pneumonia. Boo. <laughs> while well, the Patrio brothers were given death sentences and they were both executed by electric chair in 1941. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. Now, unfortunately, it doesn't really say much more about George. Uh, mm-hmm. it says he, he has a couple of memorable quotes of him testifying mostly about how much arsenic it took to kill yeah. Alphonse. Yeah. Um, but his, uh, his involvement after that is, is kind of done, and I think uh, nobody really knows what happened to him. I kind of hope that uh, he did okay, because he clearly, he did something that I'm not sure I could do, where, like, he, f- he stumbled upon a crime ring full of dangerous criminals and went, yes. I'm going to tell someone. And, I need
1: to tell someone.
0: And not only am I going to tell someone, I'm going to be instrumental in bringing this down.
1: Yeah, I'm going to help. Right. It's going
0: to be great. I'm your go-between. I'm going to wear a wire before there were wires. I'm just going to walk into a dangerous situation Hello! and pretend. Right? <laughs> so, good on George. I like him a lot. Um, and otherwise, that is the Philadelphia poison ring. It's a little fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> a plus. Good job. Thank you. I'm going to pour you some more champagne.
1: Yeah, that's probably a good idea.
0: Because now...
1: Because now it's time to drink Kool-Aid, kids. Clink,
0: clink. That's the Kool Aid. <laughs> the Kool Aid is champagne.
1: <laughs> yes, the the Kool Aid is champagne. And here we are.
0: Oh, tell me about.
1: Let's start with a uh, definition first, because it's going to come into play later.
0: Uh oh. Okay.
1: Let's talk about what revolutionary suicide means.
0: Oh, holy balls! We're deep in it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I hate me anyway, go on. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So that term was originally coined by the Black Panther Party leader, Huey Newton. Oh. In the late 1960s. Dang. In a context of what a revolutionary should expect as a consequence of challenging the system.
0: So you should expect possibly dying? Yes. Okay.
1: But this term was taken by jim jones and basically bastardized
0: white people twisting some shit again yes shocking
1: so he he decided that it was more the government was fascist and racist and imperialistic and his the people's temple was socialist with an effort to distinguish itself from American society that he was rejecting okay so, his idea of a revolutionary suicide was that formal rejection of the U.S. government. Okay. And everything it stood for.
0: Okay. Shit. Well, that's, um, not great.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> let's get started. So, the People's no. Temple no. No. was created in 1956 in Indiana because nothing good ever comes from Indiana. Wow. So, 1956 in Indiana, Jim Jones is like, let's start a church. And he said it stood for you can just do that. divine principles, total equality, a society where people own all things in common, where there is no rich or poor, where there are no races. So basically communism. Sure. In a church form. Sure. And then nine years later, they were big enough to move to California. He had Oof. thousands of followers. Dang. Like he, if you've, have you ever heard him speak? I haven't. It's impressive.
0: It would have to be, I've, I'd imagine. I've
1: heard him speak. I've heard the death tape
0: because
1: mm. he was he was still proselytizing while people were dying, and they were recording it. And I have mm-hmm. some quotes from it, but like they were recording like people screaming and dying in the background as he's like telling everybody it's going to be okay, right? And this is the the time, yeah. And, like, don't upset your babies. Oh, God, Yeah, oh, yeah. He was... Can I find any of his
0: stuff on YouTube? Oh, yeah. Okay. There is a very
1: good documentary I will send you.
0: Oh, God. Okay, yes. I think it's on Netflix. Might do that with the rest of my night. Ooh. Ooh. Let's get gross. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 2K18, let's get gross. Yeah. (laughs) So, he,
1: Jones, convinced everybody, basically... At least a thousand people to give him their paychecks, sign their homes over to him, give them all the money so that they could buy this land in Guyana and build their own utopia.
0: This all sounds very cult, regular type of dealio yeah. for show.
1: And idealistically, yeah, it sounds like a great idea. The real reason he was doing it... or is there's um. a different reason... <laughs> Uh, they were really coming under scrutiny from the government and the media for rumors of sexual and physical abuse.
0: So, shocking. I'm, no, I'm literally shocked. I've never heard such a thing yeah. before. Yeah.
1: So, 1977, they buy up Jonestown in Guyana.
0: Is it called Jamestown? After that's what they, they named it. Okay, I was gonna yep. say like, there's no way. It's just he's like, no look, Jamestown. Look, look hey, I look, found look. it. Look, it's named you guys. You <laughs> can
1: go there. <laughs> no, so about a thousand people followed him down to Jonestown. Oh my god,
0: that's a lot of people.
1: Yeah, they they made a little city with a school. They had a clinic. They had a kitchen. They had gardens. Oh man. But uh, it um it all. Went downhill because I mean Jim Jones's psyche was breaking down.
0: Oh shit! Was he getting more power hungry? That he was getting more unstable, just generally, generally unstable. Mm -hmm. Okay, and more radical. Oh, it always. This sounds so familiar. Like so many cults. Yeah,
1: he's he would have what were called White Knights. They would practice suicide drills. That was the White Knights. He would wake people up over the loudspeaker to come and practice suicide. So (laughs) they would pretend to drink the poison. Okay. And then they would fall down dead. And it was a test of loyalty. Was it like... They would line up and they would pledge their lives to the cause. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they would drink the Kool-Aid and pretend to fall down dead.
0: So it's like, is it, was it like practice so that when the time comes, you'll do it with no hesitation? Okay. Mental preparation. That's kind of genius. Yeah. As a way to get people to really follow through. To get them to
1: accept that idea.
0: Yeah, fuck. Of doing it. It's jacked.
1: So that was all, you know... Fine and dandy, really crazy,
0: but there was <laughs> totally fine and dandy. Just your regular, the run of the mill, totally crazy. But um, it was all coming to attention
1: when there were people there who were like, "I'm not being allowed to contact my family. I'm not allowed to leave. Like I'm literally stuck here with no way out because oh, he thinking, won't let me." Yeah, were you thinking maybe you're in a cult? <laughs> Is this the maybe first time, time it occurred cult? to you. Maybe you're in a cult. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh U.S. Representative Leo Ryan of California went to Jonestown with some, some fellow delegates.
0: Wait, for real? Yeah. From what state, do you know? California. Okay, just, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Like,
1: They fuck. He heard them, he mm-hmm. heard his constituents, and was like, okay, you know what, I'm gonna go check
0: this out. Wow, that is above and beyond, I like yeah. it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh,
0: uh-oh. Just yeah. fuck balls, shit, damn.
1: <laughs> um, so they go down to Jonestown. There's <clears throat> video footage of him in Jonestown. And people were passing him notes saying they want to leave.
0: Oh, okay. Because to his
1: face, they would say everything's okay. Mm-hmm. But then they'd give him notes saying, I need to be leaving with me and my three children. Like, I need out. Shit. Or can you get a message to my sister and tell her I'm okay? Like. Wow. Yeah.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. And this was the catalyst for Jim Jones. Uh Uh-oh. So when Leo Ryan was leaving with defectors of Jonestown, because he Mm -hmm. took some people with him when he left.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah.
1: They were ambushed on the airstrip. He and four other people were killed. Oh, my God. Including three other media people. Because a whole bunch of newspapers came down with him. Wow. And one of the defectors was killed. That is... Because there was a spy on the inside who was not as cool as Hercules Mulligan. (laughs) (laughs) So at the same time... (laughs) Sorry. I know. Fucking nerd. (laughs) At the same time that this was happening Mm -hmm. and the airstrip ambush happened... He also called an emergency meeting in Jonestown. Okay. And told everyone to drink the Kool-Aid. And they had a big metal vat for it. That was just sitting around? They had it. They had it ready to go.
0: Were they gonna do it soon? Or was he just like, I have it all the time?
1: I, you know, I think he was
0: just ready. Yeah. He, maybe because he was getting so crazy. He was getting really unstable. it's gonna have to happen soon. Yeah, Fuck. So...
1: They, he ordered that babies and children were first because they can't agree to commit suicide. They legally cannot consent to taking their own lives.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: So they had to go. So with cyanide, the way they had it mixed, it would be efficient enough for adults. Still painful. Mm Mm-hmm. But efficient for an adult, not efficient for a kid. Sure. So it was very painful for anyone of a smaller body mass. Oh no, that's horrible. Yes. So if you you watch the documentary I send you, there's a little bit of it in there. Uh
0: (laughs) Okay. But you
1: hear people screaming and mostly kids screaming.
0: Oh, content (gasps) warning. I appreciate that. But it's, yeah.
1: So, they did all of this, and then there were also a group of them in the capital of Guyana, Mm -hmm. in Georgetown, where they had a, a whole setup. Because they'd gone, he, his sons, and a whole bunch of other people had gone to a basketball tournament.
0: I'm sorry. (laughs) So this is the craziest shit I've ever heard, Uh, but some people are just chilling going to basketball tournaments sometimes? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So they missed this whole thing? No. Oh. (laughs) Oh, no.
1: Well, they got a message over the radio from Jim Jones.
0: I don't want any direct quotes from Jim Jones. That sounds terrible. That sounds like some trash. Yeah, it was
1: over the radio, it was time to commit revolutionary suicide. No! Except he didn't say revolutionary suicide over the radio. They had a code word for it Hmm. that I can't remember, and I didn't write it down. I might find it later. Mm -hmm. But they had a code word for it, and his son tried to argue with him, saying this is a bad idea. Oh, damn. Yeah. But one of his... Dedicated members, Ugh. who was a mom, uh, took her children upstairs, slit their throats, and then took her own life with a knife. Whoa. Yeah, when that message came through, just she just no did No hesitation. It. Nope, she just did it. Christ. So, 918 people died in total across the three locations of the airstrip.
0: Holy the shit. The Georgetown
1: setup and actual Jonestown. Mm hmm. Death toll included three hundred and four children and minors that were under eighteen.
0: Fuck. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm gonna me. I'm
1: gonna start by talking about two people
0: that survived it. Okay, like survived one. The-
1: one was in Georgetown. One was in
0: Jonestown. Okay.
1: So Jordan Viches... And Leslie Wagner Wilson.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Those are the two people I'm gonna talk about first. Sounds good. So the morning when everyone who was like, Yep, yeah, I'm defecting, I'm out. Leslie Wagner Wilson was one of the people that defected and got on the plane. Mm hmm. Or no, she didn't get on the plane. Sorry. So Leslie Wagner-Wilson was one of the people that decided to defect from Jonestown. Okay. But she didn't go with the U.S. representative. She was going to is No, this is something that, like, she and other people had been planning for months. Oh, wow. Of a way to get out. Sure. So she and nine other people total, so five adults and four children, they didn't know that Jim Jones was planning on calling for the revolutionary suicide that day. Mm-hmm. Because they were just like, this is, you know what? This is a great time to leave. Everyone's distracted. Everyone's focused on making sure the congressman doesn't see anything. Mm -hmm. So security is all grouped around him. So nobody's paying attention to what everybody else is doing right now.
0: That's smart.
1: Yes. So they got out and met two other people who also wanted to leave. And they ran.
0: Mm-hmm. Into the jungle, oh, of shit. Guyana, just just right into the woods, just yes. hoping things are chill. Yeah, great, it's gutsy.
1: Yeah. So they left and ran into the jungle and ran like thirty miles to find help and get away.
0: Yeah, shit, with kids.
1: She had her three-year-old son. This was Leslie Wagner-Wilson. and her three-year-old son with her on this run. I
0: imagine that kid is just on her back as she's humping it through this. Yes. Oh, my God. You do what you got to do to get away. Yeah, huge badass.
1: Yeah. And then Jordan Vilkshez, she was in Georgetown Mm -hmm. along with everybody else that was there for basketball tournament or just worked in their headquarters. And so when word came through to do it, she was one of the many people who were just like, no, maybe we shouldn't. Oh, yeah. Ugh. And uh, they learned about what happened in Jonestown that night, and at that time they were estimating there were five hundred dead. Of course, that
0: number would go up. Right, that was off by quite a, a few.
1: Well, they were expecting that just as many people had run off into the jungle. They, they were didn't, they, they didn't know. Oh no. So they thought that it was 500 people dead and almost 500 other people out in the jungle right now just running.
0: Is that like how many people they heard wanted to leave? They just sort of assumed They knew,
1: they knew there were almost 1000 people in Jonestown. Right. But so, that
0: some of but that there were enough of them that wouldn't want to commit that's suicide. That was their estimate. Yeah. That's that was um Very optimistic of them, I guess. (laughs) Jeez. So when
1: the, the radio came over and was like, yeah, go ahead. Revolutionary suicide. Let's do this. It's time. This is her quote. My first reaction to the things that happened in Jonestown while I was in Georgetown was shock. First and foremost, because a woman who was extremely, extremely dedicated, Sharon Amos, killed her three children there.
0: Yep. Right.
1: In the house in Georgetown... That everyone was sharing. Oh my god. Oh, wait, so they were in it Yeah, this they happened. just went upstairs to the bathroom. Oh my god, okay. Yeah, she told us that we should commit suicide too, but none of us did. Shocking. <laughs> so, Jonestown proper, only four people survived in Jonestown.
0: Like, and got away talk through about the bush. No. No? Totally different? Totally different. Oh, fuck, okay, interesting.
1: I'll get there. Oh, shit, okay. Yes.
0: Yes. This is a whole debacle.
1: So, Miss Vilchez says, Had I been in Jonestown that day, I would in all probability have died, as dissent was not allowed, and seeing everyone die would have been so terrifying. Miss Wagner-Wilson believes that she would have fought against dying, but she thinks that most likely she would not have survived. Hmm. Because a lot of people did fight the suicide, but they... Had people going around making sure, for basically forcing people to do suicide at bow and arrow point. So, oh
0: god, yeah. So, either yeah. you drink you, the Kool-Aid, you drink it,
1: or someone's gonna pour it down your throat for right. you,
0: or shoot you.
1: <laughs> Only two people were shot. Wow, Jim Jones and somebody else. Yeah, he didn't drink the Kool-Aid.
0: Probably too afraid. Shit, shit. yeah, yeah. What a fucking I POS. Know. Oh my I god. Know. god. Anyway, not shocking. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, this is a quote from Miss Wagner Wilson. Mm. There's no doubt that I would have had to fight because of my husband, and I could have been killed. I would not have taken the poison willingly. I have always wanted to live, and I would have fought for my own life and for my son, Jakari's life, who was three years old at the time. At the same time, those of us who didn't know how things were with Jim... Didn't know how mentally unstable he had become. I've come to think of it as a tragedy of combination, as a combination of collective suicide and massacre. Children don't commit suicide. More than 300 children died in Jonestown. They didn't kill themselves. Which is true. None of them killed themselves.
0: I can't imagine any child lifted that to their lips on purpose. Like, no. No.
1: So, Jordan Vilchez lost two sisters and two nephews in Jonestown, as well as everyone she had grown up with and lived with. Oh, my God. Leslie Wagner-Wilson lost her husband, her mother, sister, her brother, a niece, and a nephew.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Holy shit.
0: Yeah. That's just about everybody. Yeah. My God it's probably obvious to the listener that I didn't come in knowing a lot about (laughs) Jonestown, which is why I wanted you to do it. So I could be like, what? Um, So this is probably still more fucked up than I was expecting it to be, even though I was expecting it to be very fucked up.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about Stanley Clayton.
0: Yes. Hi, Stanley.
1: Here's, here's this
0: quote. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Should I open this? Yeah. <laughs> hey, before we get to Stanley Clayton, everybody, um, you're going to hear a fun thing over a microphone. Oh! <laughs> that, was, that was the sound of a second bottle of champagne getting through Jonestown with us. Thank you. Ugh. Second bottle of champagne, we need you. Okay. Okay, I'm going to pour these while you tell us about Stanley. Okay,
1: Stanley. Quote, what I heard, I would say, was three cheers. It sounded like a lot of people. It was just a lot of voices. Stanley. So, November 18th, that's the date that this went down. And let me get, I think it was 1973, but I want to double check. Where did my timeline go? 1978, sorry. That was right. 1978. Mm-hmm. I was like, 73? No, that's too early. 78. Ten years before I was born. Mm-hmm. Except not November. I wasn't born in November. Anyways. Right. <laughs> True.
0: True. True.
1: <laughs> so he tried to re-enter the commune on November 18th to get his passport, and that's when he heard the five gunshots out in the jungle. That was the airstrip. Mm-hmm. And then he pulled his passport from an office file. Mm-hmm. Heard a sick shot. Turned off the light. And then waited a bit.
0: <laughs> just a bit. Just a
1: bit. <laughs> before finally going back out to the main dirt road.
0: Shit. Okay.
1: So he was 35 at the time. He was a security guard in the kitchen hand. And when he came back out he saw there was no one else alive. He walked six miles to a police outpost.
0: Yeah. I can't believe just coming out. Yeah. It's like the zombie apocalypse. Like, you just come out and everybody's, there's bodies.
1: Yeah. So like, he, uh, he stated that he had not run into the bush until all but 100 or 200 people had died.
0: So he waited. He's watching people die. Yes. And deciding whether or not he should go. Yes. Fuck.
1: A lot of people seemed reluctant to join in the death ceremony. But the Reverend Jim Jones, beseeching and conjoling through the microphone, came down from the stage with a phalanx of security guards and began pulling people up from their seats, saying they must go. He recalls, he kept telling them, I love you. I love you. It is nothing but a deep sleep. It won't hurt you. It's just like closing your eyes and drifting into a deep sleep. There were mothers and people crying, and Jim came across the speakers telling them to shut up. Don't be scaring the babies like that. Make them feel happy. <sighs> he was saying they have to die proud with dignity.
0: Yeah, it's important that babies have dignity in everything yeah, they do. Yeah,
1: <laughs> And then he goes but- into talking about the white night drills. And also, I just want to throw this out there, mm-hmm. sometimes, like, Jim Jones would wake people up at, like, two in the morning to have, like, three-hour preaching sessions.
0: Just to be like, listen, I want to talk to, now yes. and you guys are yes. going to listen? Fuck! <laughs> yes! Oh my god. Yeah. I hate him.
1: Yeah. And they, he, he is, Clayton is thinking that, like, this is just another white knight drill.
0: Just. Oh just-
1: my god. Along with a bunch of other people, are just thinking this is another white night drill. But after most of the kids were dead, people began realizing this wasn't a white right. night drill.
0: You can't get kids to lie still for that long no. if they're just pretending. No. Fuck. Nobody's hate, that good. I hate everything I just said.
1: Um. So after watching most of the people die, Clayton tried to leave and. Before he could get to the main road, he tried to move through camp first, and he bumped into several security people, and one had a bow and arrow, and turned it at him, Mm -hmm. trying to get him to go back the other way, Mm -hmm. because it's time to die.
0: It's the death times.
1: Yeah. Uh. And he embraced the guard and said he was going to say goodbye to some people in a nearby tent. He was lying. Because he looked back, made sure nobody was following him, and he took the fuck off.
0: Fucking smart. Smart. Yes.
1: <laughs> so he survived. Good. Odell Rhodes survived by making the conscious decision not to participate in the dying that was going on.
0: <laughs> Where do you go at that point, though? How do you avoid it?
1: He just, he made the decision to not die and he
0: <laughs> he threw the he threw the kool-aid into a plant he's like "Hannah, I'm <laughs> out
1: <laughs> yeah I think there was information on him on this article that I was trying to get through and then there was all
0: that awful and then he died a little bit inside yes, yes. thank god for that health insurance you have yeah <laughs> help you through having to learn about Jonestown
1: yeah fun fact about Adele he used to be a junkie and was an abusive husband. Great. And then he found the church. Because the People's Temple, don't know if you know this, they used to drive buses like any good cult. Sure. Yeah. I mean. And
0: preach. Fucking one. And they not? would come through Detroit. Oh, no. And, like, pick up people. Great. I bet you're feeling disenfranchised by normal society. Yeah, look at you! You're lying in a ditch. Right. Would you like to join us With cult? a needle
1: sticking out of your arm? Right. You look like a good person to join our cult. We can help you with that. Like, yeah. Like, you ever watch The Path?
0: Yes. The very first scene of the very first episode is them going to a place where a hurricane has hit and, like, just picking up the people who don't look like they have anywhere to go. Yeah. It's fucking gross. Here
1: you go. Okay. So, Odell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <sighs> Life. So, yeah, he... He blended in. hmm He was like, I'm not going to do it. And he made himself inconspicuous. But he helped other people as they died, including okay. one of his students, because he was a tutor. And he figured out that the only people that were allowed to cross through the circle of crossbows were medical personnel. So he walked with a nurse... After the nurse was told to go get a stethoscope, so he's like, "Yeah, we're going to the medical office. Look at us go!" Right, I'm medical staff.
0: <laughs> Look at my stethoscope that I still need to go get, but I, I promise.
1: So he made he made the conscious decision to go with her, realizing he might have to kill her because he's not medical staff.
0: Right, and she might be like, "Hey, what are you doing?" Yes, fuck.
1: Luckily, she told him to go look in a building for the stethoscope while she searched another one. So I mean, at this point, it's like, everybody's dying. Nobody's really paying attention to who has medical training and who doesn't anymore.
0: He's walking around with confidence enough that it seems legit. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So he went into the nursing office, slipped out of the back of the building, went to the senior center where most of the people there were bedridden. And he was asked by an old woman, are you the man who's going to take us up there? And he asked her if she knew what was going on, and she said, we know. Uh, And he's like, I'm not the man to take you.
0: Uh, good. I mean, obviously. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. So he looked through bodies, pretending to be the one looking for people who might still be alive. Sure. And that's when I said that there were about like a hundred people left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he took his chance with that and left about the same time as the other guy when there were only about a hundred to two hundred right. people left alive. Are
0: these hundred to two hundred people in the process of dying? Yeah. And so they're just they're just not dead yet. They're but they've all yet. drank the Kool-Aid. Or they're and... in
1: line sure. to die. Ugh.
0: I can't believe you have to fucking line up to die. Well, they only had, like, one big that. Nothing's worse than a line. I can't believe <laughs> that that is how they spent their last moments. Yep. <laughs> Fuck. Yep. So, the
1: security guys were last. Makes sense. And then Jim Jones shot himself. Oh,
0: I was wondering if he would yes. make somebody shoot him nope. or if he would he shoot himself. No, he shot himself.
1: At least he had that.
0: <sighs> Fucking coward.
1: So, yeah. Hyacinth Trash. I'm sorry? Her name is Hyacinth Trash.
0: <laughs> no, it isn't. It, it is.
1: That is not a thing. Her name is Hyacinth Trash. She's the next survivor.
0: <laughs> and she's amazing. I am going to I the place love her. and changing my name to Hyacinth Trash right now. She it's managed amazing. to go
1: unnoticed by pretending to sleep. Oh. Through the entire thing. Wait, what? In bed? Yes. And nobody was she like taking the fuck in up. in a bed through the entire thing, in... and then fled into the forest.
0: Everyone's just like, "Yeah, we'll yes. leave her to her nap."
1: Yes, or She's... they thought she was
0: already dead. But comfy, cozy in a bed. In a bed. <laughs> oh my god, there really was like such laxadaisical well, security I mean, around think this. Think about
1: it. They had maybe. What like twenty security guards to nine hundred people, and
0: most of them are just holding crossbows on people, yes. so you can't. And they be... need
1: to be focused around the vat to make sure people are doing what they're supposed to be doing. I
0: bet if Jim Jones was of sounder mind, and if he didn't feel threatened by the fact that a congressman had been there earlier trying to take people, he probably would have planned this better. Yeah, it's probably like par- at least partially by the grace of how Fast this had to happen that these people were able to get away yeah. Ugh.
1: so next survivor Grover Davis mm-hmm. hid in a ditch
0: good at one him. of their
1: campsites good
0: job Grover and
1: managed to remain undiscovered long enough to also slip away nice so when in doubt find a ditch
0: when in doubt and you can't take a nap hide in a ditch Yep. <laughs> ditch or a
1: bed one or the other <laughs> I mean I'm not sure.
0: One of those sounds better, but <laughs> eh. it's up to your good judgment.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then the last three last three of the survivors aside from his son. Because there were like eighty something mm-hmm. total. eighty seven people total who survived. Including thirty five people who began their day in Jonestown. So only four survived the actual proceedings of Jonestown, but like thirty five people started there. Sure. Yeah, so eighty seven people survived, a solid chunk of whom were in the city capital of Georgetown. Mm-hmm. Because there are only four people who killed
0: themselves. Who were like,
1: Yeah,
0: who the, were like the mom super and her into kids, it. just like, right. let's go! That woman stands out to my me mind. as it, yes. the craziest of the crazy yes. in that. Yeah, that is nuts. Wow. Yes.
1: So, Michael Prokes was a former broadcast journalist who had left his job in California to become the temple's main spokesperson and oh, a shit. press contact. Oh, shit. Yes. So, they actually had a real.
0: A real journalist. A real
1: journalist doing this job.
0: And he, but he was also loyal to the group? Oh yeah. Oh god. Oh yeah. Great.
1: So, as everyone was dying that day, someone had called him and the two Carter brothers, Tim and Mike Carter, and gave them a suitcase of money along with a letter of instruction to deliver to the Soviet embassy in Georgetown. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh my god. So, it was 150 miles away, so they couldn't just carry it there, so they had to actually, like, go.
0: Great. But that
1: trip saved their lives.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now. Four months later. hmm We look back at Michael Prokes. March 13th, 1979. He called a press conference to a Modesto motel room. There were eight reporters in attendance.
0: Sorry, I love calling reporters to like a gross place yes. and just being like, "Yeah, watch me talk yeah. here." <laughs> yeah.
1: So he read a statement, excused himself, mm. went into the bathroom, closed the door, turned on the faucet. Oh no to cover the sounds he was making and then shot himself in the head with a smith and wesson oh shit yep so a 38 revolver that's going to make a big noise
0: yeah it's a but big that, faucet, that faucet that faucet though that
1: faucet though i'm
0: sure he turned on the faucet I'm to sure. cover up the noise i'm sure it was probably just i'm probably going to cry a bunch before i do this and i don't want anyone to hear that part
1: Needless to say, they figured out what happened.
0: Um, sure.
1: And there was a note that was found with the body. Mm-hmm. And I have the note.
0: mm mm, mm. I love that he had it's to happening. do this publicly. Just great. Well, he was a reporter. What do you expect? <laughs> um, I needed my fellow reporters yeah. around me in this moment. Yes. <laughs> Fuck.
1: All right. The note. Don't accept anyone's analysis or a hypothesis that this was the result of despondency over Jonestown. I could live and cope with despondency. Nor was it an act of a disturbed or programmed mind, in case anyone tries to pass it off as that. The fact is that a person can rationally choose to die for reasons that are just, and that's just what I did. Fuck. If my death doesn't prompt another look at what brought about the end of Jonestown, then this life wasn't worth living anyway. <sighs> wow,
0: dude. Holy shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah.
0: God, some people are nuts. Yeah. Or rather, I should say, some people are taken advantage of and coerced and programmed to a point. So
1: while he survived that day, Mm -hmm. he didn't survive Jonestown. Right. Wow. Holy shit. So his son, Jim Jones Jr., was 18 when this all happened. Ugh. Ugh. And he did a big interview with Oprah, among other people, Mm -hmm. but he did a big interview with Oprah and they were playing in the basketball tournament. They lost to the Guyanese national team. Oh, he was the one who got the message to take their lives while they were in Georgetown. Did you get a text? (laughs) (laughs) It was to get knives, wire, and scissors and take our own lives. That's a quote from him? Yeah. Fuck. And he said, I was concerned about my loved ones, my family, my wife. He had a wife at 18? Yeah. Fuck. He had an 18-year-old wife. So his parents, both his parents, his brother, his sister, his wife, and his unborn baby all died that day. Because his wife was Prickers.
0: God damn. Yes. Was his wife someone who drank the Kool Aid willingly? Was that like. I have no idea. Interesting, I wonder. Possibly. Fuck. I mean, it seems hard to tell.
1: He, like, retroactively looking back at it, he could see it. But they all bought into what he was doing, and nobody was really seeing this descent into madness mm-hmm. from Jim Jones.
0: Right. So, yeah, that's uh. Holy shit. That's Jonestown. My thing is, like, I, you know, we've done some cults before. Mm hmm. Um, in our first episode, there's, there's so many parallels with a lot of cults. I mean, that's what makes them cults. But, like, the idea that there was this undercurrent of so many people who wanted to leave and yet maintaining the secret well enough until, like, that day, basically. Yeah. Is really interesting and super impressive. Yeah. Um cuz obviously like almost every call either ends in some horrible way like that or they end by people just leaving. Yeah. They dissolve. Um cuz you cannot keep the fantasy alive forever. You can't. That's just not how it works. Yeah. But the fact that my the first people you talked about who ran into the the woods. Yeah. Like the fact that they thought that half of the people would have done the exact same thing as them like just speaks to how Big group of people probably weren't happy there.
1: Well, and they'd been there for a year or a little under by the time the suicides took place, because they did a mass moving down there in 1977, Holy and shit. then in 78 is when the suicides happened. They so if have... you think about his calling for white knights mm-hmm. and controlling people's lives and telling them they couldn't leave and that they couldn't contact their family members right. and
0: it must have been like all of that just happened so quickly all at once and they were like, this is not what we signed up for. Yeah.
1: They were suddenly isolated.
0: Mm-hmm. By Which is something him. that yeah, maybe that was the thing. Like some cults isolate from the very beginning and that's just part of it. hmm But like if he thrust that on them after this huge move, which is already a big deal, yeah, there it just snapped a bunch of people out of it. Unfortunately, yeah. not enough people and not fast enough. Yes. Or I guess, I, I, I'm I, so conflicted about it because with that representative, I'm sorry, I forget his name, um, from California. Yeah. Obviously, he was trying to do the best thing he could, which was to take some people with him, especially if they had well, children. Well, yeah,
1: Congressman Ryan... Was doing what he thought was the right thing. Right. And they were going to shed light on what was happening. Right, so they could fix in it for others. the truth of what was happening. Right.
0: But the problem with that was, like, that Jim Jones was already going downhill, and he saw people actually leaving, and that set off this
1: Yeah, this fuck. was his
0: utopia. Yeah. And, yeah, and he saw it crumbling, whereas... Like, hindsight's twenty twenty, maybe it would have been better if he'd just been like, I'm gonna leave now, and I'm gonna bring people back to take everybody. Because <laughs> you can't, I mean, all that did was alert Jim Jones to the fact that his utopia is falling apart, and he has to take drastic measures now. It's so but hard. Like, I don't know how we could have avoided that. Because again, I feel like everybody who was doing what they could was, they were just doing what they knew to do at the time. And that's fine, but, oh, like, looking back, it's like, damn, if even one thing had gone differently, so much of this could have been avoided.
1: Yeah. Ugh. Yeah.
0: That is some shit.
1: Yeah. If you want to check out more information on
0: Jonestown... Don't. No. (laughs) If you want to hurt yourself
1: physically, emotionally, mentally... Look up in the Valley of the Shadow of Death, Guyana, G-U-Y-A-N-A, after the Jonestown Massacre. It's a Rolling Stone article. And then edu has a whole bunch of information, including an FAQ with nice. the breakdown of timelines of, like, what happened before they moved down there, the day of, and the aftermath.
0: Yeah. Including a the huge specifics story. of,
1: like, were there any prosecutions? Because they had that inquiry, and they took it in front of a formal jury. Mm-hmm. And, like, who was prosecuted? What happened? Who were all the survivors? Where can you find more information on it? Right. All of that information is here. It's just, it's such a huge thing that I couldn't cover every aspect of right. it.
0: I mean, and, but... It's cool to hear about the survivors because I'm sure that is not something that gets talked about all the time.
1: The main survivors you hear about are his son, that basketball mm-hmm. team, and one of the people on the airstrip.
0: Wow. Yeah. That
1: like got shot and like crawled off into the woods. Fuck. I wanted to try and do people that were there or
0: right. I mean, were less
1: spoken about.
0: Yeah, for cause, sure. Because they, I mean, they still made it. However, they had to. Yeah. There's a lot of clever shit in there
1: yeah
0: um if we want to like at you hyacinth yeah (laughs) fucking hyacinth trash (laughs) you go (laughs) we're so proud of you whoa um I wasn't gonna get if anybody wants to know more about my thing I wasn't gonna give like a specific stuff because I just found sources that are just sort of articles but I did want to tell you because I thought it would make you happy that the murderpedia thing I read was called arsenic and no lace. Oh my god! And I laughed for a minute. That's beautiful. It was really good. Like, whoever came up with that fucking good on you, my dude. Um, so. I
1: had been thinking I'd have done the Jonestown shot. I'd have set that up. Cause so I think we have almost all the ingredients oh here right now. Oh
0: my god. Um, Cause it's
1: SoCo, Amaretto, and cranberry juice. Fuck, we have
0: almost all of that. We yeah. have orange juice, not cranberry. But, like, <laughs> we could do it. Hey, um, we're gonna... <laughs> we're gonna leave it at that. Because we're gonna go take, um... We're gonna a, go sort of Can we say it's the it's Georgetown the shot?
1: It's <laughs> the uh-oh town show.
0: Uh-oh town. This is the uh-oh feeling shot. It's half Jonestown shot and half go fuck yourself. <laughs> and a splash of tears. <laughs> it adds the salty flavor that I'm really looking for in my shots.
1: Because my saltiness is all internal. Right. So the only way I can really get it out there is through tears.
0: Right. And that's why we do this podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you all for joining us once again. Yeah, to this was to- a
1: beast of a podcast, it but now we're
0: done. Was. Um, I can't. Wait to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> it is so long. This is so much. We, uh, we hope that you stuck with us to the end. We appreciate, um, everybody who always listens along with us. Um, again, if you ever want to write to us about anything, your personal stories, an interesting story you think we should research, or you just want to chat, um, you can reach us at uh-oh.dailygravy at gmail.com.
1: We hope you had a happy and safe new year. Absolutely. And we hope 2018 treats you well.
0: Yes, absolutely. Bye!
1: Bye!
0: This has been a Daily Gravy production. Thanks for listening.
1: Hey Liz, do you remember that movie that came out a couple years ago with like the f- five guys and the and the one woman?
0: I don't know, Maggie, can you be a little more specific?
1: Um the the woman had to dress up like really really sexy, like slits up her legs and boobs all over the place. The, the guys mo- the guys just got to wear their normal clothes.
0: Gosh, uh thinking about it, that sounds like um every movie ever made.
1: Do you want to make a podcast about it?
0: I think we should. We should make a podcast because movies and TV need more girls. Yeah, they do. And what would we call it?
1: Cool Story Needs More Girls.
0: I like it. And where would we release it?
1: Uh, let's do it with the Daily Grape.
0: When? Every other Monday. Perfect.
1: See you there.